Good morning and welcome to this Facebook Live edition of the Young Adult Ministry Podcast. Uh, I've got uh, my friends Kenny and then Ben Strait is our special guest this morning. And uh, I, as we're, as we're getting started, we're going to be talking about the book Not Done Yet by Beth Severson. But before we get there, um, Reverend Ben Strait, thank you so much for joining us in this Facebook Live edition today. Um, if you are watching this live on Facebook, drop a comment, say hi. You can uh, comment along as we have our conversation throughout the next hour as well. And uh, we'll incorporate that into our conversation. But um, Ben, uh, one, I want to thank you for, for joining us for your time on any given week, but especially this week, yeah. um, because... <laughs> You w- w- within days, if not hours, your life is going to dramatically change, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, for those who don't know, my wife Ashley is due uh, this week with our first child, so our daughter. So we're excited about that. And yeah, it's a pretty crazy time right now. <laughs> That's going to be awesome, first. man. Any advice anybody has given you up to this point is completely moot. You are individual, <laughs> unique people, and so will be your child. And listen to the people kindly and receive all of the gifts that they give you so that they'll give you more, but their advice <laughs> probably isn't going to work. Be advised. Okay, well, I'll and take- congrats. So should I take that advice too, or should I ignore that as well? That's a good question. <laughs> no, that's uh, really exciting. Um, also, as, yeah. as you're talking, I just realized- I'm reminded of just how amazing of a setup you have for podcasts with your microphone, because your voice is crystal clear uh, compared to Kenny's and I's. Um, So thank you. Kenny's voice still sounds good, but your microphone's really nice, Ben. Yeah. I I actually get self-conscious because it picks up everything. So I, yeah, whenever I edit our podcast, it just drives me nuts listening to myself because it, yeah, it's annoying anyways. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, um, let us uh, get to know you a little bit uh, better. You're, you're having a uh, little daughter this week mm-hmm. and uh, tell us, but tell us about yourself, uh, your wife, where you guys are geographically in ministry, kind of the thumbnail sketch of, of who Ben Strait is. Yeah. So uh, we live in Southeast Michigan in Ypsilanti, which is by uh, Ann Arbor, Detroit area. Um, and I'm the director of what's called Common Ground Ministry. It's a young adult ministry. I've been doing that for the past year and a half. So just in time for COVID, which has been a pretty interesting experience, uh, not just starting a new ministry, but starting a new ministry in a brand new season of life for a lot of people. Um, but I've yeah. been a licensed minister for the past 12 years. Um, I served as a lead pastor. I've also served as an associate now I'm a young adult ministry director. I also co-host a podcast with a good friend of mine, Jordan. Actually, Jeremy, we had you as a guest on uh, a while back. Unfortunately, Jordan couldn't be a part of that conversation. But, but yeah. we discuss various topics that are of interest to young adults, but also ourselves. Uh, I'll do a shameless <laughs> plug. It's called the PB&J podcast. If you YouTube search it, we're the one with the black and white logo because there's several other podcasts with the same name. But um, but as far as working with like young adults specifically, like besides what I do now, I've sort of been doing that on and off over the years. So when I was at school at Olivet Nazarene University, which is where Jeremy and I met, uh, and we were part of the same preaching program. So there were several students who would go out and travel. And I was a leader in that program, uh, along with Jeremy, I believe you were a leader also, right? I mean, it's it's that far back. I can't remember exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> well, we saw was, you as a leader, at least. Yeah, I if I remember right, it was because we were all grad students. And so I was I helped out more. Um, but I did. I don't know if I had any actual authority. Um, that was the rest of y'all and and Jake that had all the actual authority. Yeah. Well, we listened I just showed to you, up for the free food. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank hey, that's, you. That's a good reason to show up for sure. Um, so, so yeah, like I've been working with young adults on and off uh, over the years. I was also a teaching assistant uh, while I was there. So, uh, yeah. So even though I'm doing young adult ministry now, it's something that I've had, you know, on and off some experience with. So, and I'm a young adult myself. So that factors in a little bit, I imagine. But so that's sort of where we're at geographically, where we're at ministry wise, and a little bit more background there. Ben, how many how many yeah. years are you clocking in at here? In terms of how old are you? Sorry, oh. English. I remember the <laughs> normal way to speak. Sorry. No, that's good. I'm 33. 33. That's mm-hmm. like that's like three eleven year olds. Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's like once you hit or once I hit like 25, I like forgot how old I was every year. Like I had to really think about it. Then I hit 30 and I remember that one. I remember I was 30 for a couple of years because I kept confusing it when I was 31. And even now, like I still have to think about like how actually wait. Then you, yeah, I'm, okay, yeah then, I'm 33. I'm 33. They need to stop because I'm like <laughs> four 11 year olds oh. and, and you're, you're making me feel like I'm more than four 11 year olds sorry because because yeah imagine imagine if you and i led a middle school small group together just imagine what that would be like okay let's move on yeah we can move on um yeah no i thinking about our back in our uh, college days ben (laughs) i thinking of our meetings for the the preaching ambassador program and um our weekly meetings uh, there was the breakfast pizzas that we would sometimes get. Yes. From a gas station, if I remember right. Hmm. I never knew where or they the, were was, from, but yeah. It was, I forget the name of it. it I think it's one of those like uh, pizza places that's always connected to a gas station. Um, mm. But it was breakfast pizzas with like the gravy and like eggs. Uh, it was one of my favorite things. Uh, it was and, delicious, but it looked disgusting yeah, and it looked like gas station did. pizza, but it tasted great. They're like the best breakfast we ever had. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That um, has no um, real relevance to today other than the fact of I think about that every once in a while. Um, and that was the only setting that I ever had. That was as our group of students who were in that program. Hmm. That was the only time I ever had those. And uh, it was it was really good. Now I'm like going to make it my of- personal goal to like try and tie that in somewhere along our discussion today. We'll see if Perfect. I can do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, you see if you can do it, and I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can do it. And see, see who can incorporate it in uh, more ef- effectively <laughs> into Sounds our conversation. <laughs> um, so you've been in ministry um, in various uh, forms over the last um, decade since we um, finished up or so um, at Olivet as students. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in April you also passed a, a big milestone in terms of getting ordained correct yes correct i was ordained yeah the the middle of april yep that's uh, exciting congrats like congratulations on that i was thank you um i was reminded i noticed of the, a glow uh, about you 
Yeah. I thought there was something. An ex- I was like, the force is strong with this one. You know, oh, I thought it was just the lights, but okay. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, within the Church of the Nazarene uh, on a normal year, each, um, you know, each district kind of um, states or parts of states have our annual gathering um, called District Assembly, which is where you, you would have gotten ordained um, mm-hmm. in April. We just had our district assembly this last weekend and had an ordination service uh, catching up for ordinance who were approved last year and mm. this year. So we had, I think it was 22 wow. ordinance. Yeah. Um, we had the same thing where we had to, de- to, to delay it a year. Technically I was supposed to be ordained last year, um, but yeah, and we had 14 or 15 this year, I think. Yeah. So oh, that's awesome. Geez, over 20. That's crazy. Yeah. It was um, our local church got asked to provide extra altars um, because they, and they didn't have, they were, um, still conscious, you know, it was a little, I don't know how it was for you, but it was a little bit different. Um, normally all of the ordained elders or ordained clergy would go up and kind of circle around everybody. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we weren't able to do that. So they had a row of altars on the stage. I think it was six or seven long and they would have an individual or a couple, um, and they would kneel down. They'd be prayed over by, our church leaders, general superintendent, district superintendent, and then they would, once they were prayed for, they would move off stage so that another couple could come mm-hmm. up, and the the leaders just kind of moved down the row and then went back and did that like three times, and uh, it was, um, it was really awesome. It was the first one that I've gotten to go to since I got ordained, mm. and I don't know um, if maybe you guys have experienced this. I. For me, it was like going to a wedding the first time after my own wedding, where all of a sudden it just was more special. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reminded of the commitment that I had made and that it was a similar thing. So they, um, you know, seeing people, people that I'm really good friends with, people of various ages um, from a lot, <laughs> several years younger than me to um, some that were in their 60s or 70s that were getting ordained um, as they were completing that call to to ministry. Um, and it was just, it was really special. I, one of my favorite moments was, so in, in lieu of having all the ordained, um, elders up, um, and deacons up around everybody praying, we were just invited to, to, to for just the ordained people in the room to, to put a hand out towards the stage, um, mm-hmm. to be praying over them. And my four-year-old son was in the room standing to next to, or, next to one of my friends, um, uh, who's a pastor, uh, Tim Gaines and, um, a friend of mine got some photos of Zane mimicking him. So he, st- he stood up and started putting his hand out towards stage, uh, praying, not understanding the intent that it only be, you know, the ordained, mm-hmm. uh, pastors in the room. Um, but just him, uh, mimicking him. It was, a it was a cool uh, thing to be able to see, but, um, all that to say, congratulations are getting ordained. It's, it's a really special thing. And especially after the last year and a half that we've gone through. Um, but knowing that to be ordained in the church of the Nazarene is a, mm-hmm. is a several year long, uh, endeavor. So uh, yes. congratulations on crossing, crossing that, uh, line in your journey in, in ministry. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. How's it, how's it feel to be ordained? Does it feel different? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say because this whole last year has been, everything's just been different. So 
yeah. guess it does feel different because it feels like everything else, <laughs> which is all different. <laughs> that's a that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Now is um, was your ordination service like limited in terms of people able to be in the room at all? Yeah, it was. Each person could only invite a certain number from their family to be there, or a certain number of okay. guests. And we did a similar thing to you where we alternated the altars. So when someone went up, um, so we did that. It was it was interesting. I was a bit bummed because normally we have like a choir of all the ordinance and then they do a song. We didn't do that this year. Uh, we also usually have a get together after the service where you can meet the ordinance and have some snacks and stuff. We didn't do that, which as an introvert, I wasn't too upset about that one. Um, but yeah, it was different. Some of it was a bit sad that I couldn't participate like uh, we could before, but, but it was still a good service. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll, I'll make a plug one more time uh, as you were talking in your bio of the PB&J podcast and on YouTube on, I know it's at least on, on Apple podcast. I think it's on Mm -hmm. all major platforms, right? I I know that I've subscribed to it on Apple. I've tried to get it on all major platforms. Uh, Some are more complicated than others, but yeah. And you can yeah. also find um, it by going to our ministry website, commongroundmi.org. It's not common grounds. It's not coffee. Just common ground, singular, <laughs> commongroundmi.org. Awesome. And we'll try to, we'll make sure that we put that in um, for the podcast version of this, that we, we put that in the, in the notes, but I would okay. highly encourage those of you checking it out live or listening to this uh, later that you check out the podcast, check out the website and um, see what Ben had the various ways that you're engaged in ministry, Ben. And that's part of the reason that we had, um, we're excited to be able to have you on for this Facebook live edition of our conversations for, for those of you, um, following along who, um, are not familiar. We're currently going through the book, not done yet, reaching and keeping unchurched emerging adults by Beth Severson. And, we, um, the normal Yamcasters, Kenny, Chris, and I uh, are doing episodes talking about that amongst other things. And then every month as well, inviting in a friend um, like you, Ben, to, to talk about it as well, to, to be able to expand the discussion. And as um, there's several of us reading through this book together or um, rereading it to be able to bring as many voices as possible to discuss this book and young adult ministry or emerging adult ministry, um, bringing as many voices as possible. Um, So Ben, uh, the invitation for you today was for us to talk about um, chapter two as we're uh, just starting into the book. Um, But uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, I I think you've actually read the whole book already, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And there's a, you, you have a PB&J podcast episode about it? Um, not yet. So one of the things I do is I, for those listening, is I uh, do reviews of young adult material, uh, which not right now is just books. Uh, this is on the list, but I haven't done it yet. Okay. Okay. I was going to plug that as well for, for further resource, but so <laughs> it's uh, TBD. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you make sure you subscribe to his, uh, to the YouTube channel uh, podcast, then you'll see it when it comes down the pike. Um, but, um, before we jump into chapter two, having, having read it, Ben, um, can you just give a little bit of your thought on the book as a whole, um, being Mm -hmm. someone engaged in emerging adult ministry? 
Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think it's a good book. Certainly, it's a good reflection on how to reach unchurched people, which is different than a lot of the young adult material that's out there. For example, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, which is another book. I did review that one. Um, I know you guys have talked about that. That one seemed yeah. more geared towards uh, what do we do with young adults who are already sort of a part of the church or who have some history with church. This one is very focused on what do we do with young adults who are not churched at all? Either they left the church a long time ago or they've never had any experience with church and how do we address it? Um, so I found that to be very helpful. There are some things like I would disagree with, but part of that's just because of how she did her studies because her her focus was very narrow in terms of the churches she looked at and that's that's not a negative thing that's just something i observed like she was yeah much more focused on her denomination and so the churches she looked at were from the the evangelical uh covenant church i believe is what it's called so yeah. I, i'm pretty sure that's where her focus was in sort of evaluating yes. what their churches were doing, what was working and what wasn't. So um, something to keep in mind when you read it, that that's sort of the scope of it. So, cause some of her opinions, I was like, yeah, this seems more formed by her denominational outlook on things and how they would approach it versus how another denomination might approach it. Um, but again, not a negative, just something to, that I had to keep in mind too. So I was like, yeah. yeah. So, but I it's worth the read a, for a good... sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point, though, of understanding where she's coming from in terms of the research that she uses as the backbone of the book. Mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, it uh, while it can still be, it's still very helpful. Doesn't necessarily extrapolate across uh, like everything she says doesn't necessarily relate in the same way for different denominations um, in different church structures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of those points might become clear as we talk because there is one thing about this chapter that I mean we'll we'll get to it if we get to it, but. But that's, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll get there when well, we now get I there. I, I, I don't okay, want to okay, too if, much. Okay, I was going to say I don't. I don't want to bury the lead. Well, um, I, I'll ask you if we if we don't get if I don't get us to it. Um, okay. Let's see if we can if we can uh, make sure that we bring it in at the end. Um, but yeah, I I, I think that's a, a really important um, distinction about this book of being focused specifically on. Um, unchurched young adults, um, because um, yeah, a lot of the material of other material seems to uh, not necessarily be focused on that specific segment of young adults, um, but also how essential it is. I um, looking at different um, statistics and research recently, like the Barna Group talking about how in the United States, twelve percent of millennials are categorized as engaged Christians, compared to like. Um, Gen X, I think is 18% boomers or 22%. Um, and their definition of engaged Christians being somebody who goes to church once a month. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's just less people going to church um, with younger generations, which not only means less people now, that means less people that are going to be available to be called into vocational, co-vocational ministry to missions, to lay leadership. Um, there's the stats from the Fuller Institute that 50% of high schoolers who are in a youth group leave church uh, within a few years after graduating um, or um, the, I think it's, I think it's Barna as well. that says for every one Christ, new Christian that enters the church, there's four people leaving the church right. in terms of like general numbers. And so like the, 
those numbers to paint the reality that um, just focusing on how we keep people within our church is not a, a full enough conversation because there are a lot of people that are no longer in the church or weren't in the church church to start with. And so this focus on unchurched young adults is an important one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this uh, chapter specifically, um, chapter two being entitled Initiating, Walking Together Towards Commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the main um, points that she makes in the book is that there are like three main ways that a church is, or that an un, an unchurched emerging adult gets plugged into a church. Um, and those three things are an invitation from a friend, an invitation from a friend during a crisis, or the third one is someone showing up because of a crisis. So mm-hmm. the, she gives three categories more general. It's an invitation from a friend or a crisis, um, in our life. Do you, um, from your ministry experience um, and in working with others, um, do you think, is that a correct assessment that those are the main ways that unchurched young adults are showing up to church? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I haven't experienced it a whole lot myself. Part of the reason is because of where I am, uh, because my part of the state is like one of the most heavily affected by COVID, even in the country. And so even young adults still are very hesitant to do anything in person. And so it makes it really hard to gauge what's working with engagement and what's not. And how do you even make those connections? Because it's really hard to make personal connections like that. But no, I have seen where, excuse me, um, the relationship-based invitation, like from friends, like that's definitely true. Like even in my small group, like within the church, So there is someone that I know who's a part of my church and I've invited that person to come to small group like time and time again, like, Hey, you know, join our small group, whatever, never showed up. But then one time a friend of theirs who is a part of the small group said, Hey, you should show up tonight. And then they've been coming ever since. It's like, geez, really? (laughs) So it's that personal connection (laughs) really makes a big difference. I did find it interesting that she also highlighted that young adults themselves will start, uh, at least seeking out church on their own initiative based out of crisis. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that young adults are very engaged, um, at least with, I don't really know how to say it. Um, they like, they like doing stuff on their own. Like they're very independent. And so like when it comes to, if they're going through a personal crisis, like they'll look up information themselves of how do you do this? What are different things you can do? Um, and yeah. part of that is searching out for themselves. You know, maybe I do need to seek out some sort of spiritual uh, way to address what's going on or to understand what I'm doing. So I'm going to look up churches in the area and look up different things, look at reviews, what people are saying about it. Where do I go? What do I do? Maybe they'll go on Reddit or, you know, some other uh, forum to figure out, you know, what works for some people. And then that's how they'll get connected. Um, so I did appreciate that. I don't know of anyone personally... Uh, who, like, I I can't think of a personal story of how that worked. I mean, I could think of myself, uh, like things I've done. And like, sometimes I'll visit churches uh, and that's how I get connected with them is just, you know, their online presence and my own curiosity, just seeking out, oh, you know, what do I do here? So, yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the important reasons why having, uh, it's, it's essential for church to have a quality online presence. Not that it needs to be, um, big and extravagant, but having 
enough information, mm-hmm. having enough information on a website, uh, a Facebook page where people can tell, okay, this church still is still meeting and I can tell what time uh, they show up and being able to know what I, you know, like what am I, what am I walking into? The same thing as if, yeah, if you were looking up online for a restaurant or a special event uh, where it's just so common for people our age and younger to be able to know what we're walking into by doing all the research online and churches, we can make it just a little bit harder for people uh, if unintentionally, um, if we, if we don't just take a few of those steps of, of having um, an active online presence, even if it is just a Facebook page where people are able to see, you know, what does the room look like? Mm. When should I show up? What are expectations? Can I bring a coffee? Is the coffee there? Is the coffee good there? Um, the yeah. essentials. <laughs> it's surprising to me how many churches don't even have that. Because um, one of the things I've been trying to do is, you know, make connection with churches and get out, share the vision of like our our ministry. And it's it's incredible how many churches just, I can't find any information on them. Like, I don't even know if they really exist except on paper. <laughs> because like, they're not on Facebook. They have no website. Yeah. Like, the only thing I can find out about them is their location on Google Maps, and that's pretty much it. So I don't know what that's about. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's different cultural contexts, uh, but I think that that's more and more an essential way, uh, not to you know do it in order to be attractive, but to mm. be to be able like. <laughs> to be able to be found <laughs> yeah just to have um, presence at least like just be yeah. present there and with as much time as people are spending online of all generations having some kind of of presence i think is 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 important so talking about that part of technology in terms of uh, churches um do you think that we as local churches or local churches that you've seen that we do a, a good job of accounting for the fact that for people who are unchurched, if assuming that this research is accurate, and I, I would say um, from what I've seen in ministry and some of the stuff you just shared, that it, it, it seems like it would be accurate that uh, relationship, uh, relational invitations and crisis are two of the main ways that people show up. Are our, lo- are our local churches set up in a way that we're ready to receive those people well, hmm. in your opinion? Um, geez, that's a good question. Let me, let me try to say that question more clearly um, and, while you think on that, because um, I didn't like the way that I just said that. Um, <laughs> uh, it, was not, it was not the most uh, clear way. If it's true that for unchurched people, relational invitations and crisis are the main ways that they show up at church, mm-hmm. then it's important for churches to to be ready for people in those two seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Do you think that an average local church is set up to receive somebody who shows up with friends or somebody who shows up in a crisis? That's a, that's a difficult not, question. It's, I mean, it's not because it's yeah. a bad question. It's a really good one. It's tricky because, and this is a general frustration I had with reading the book, and it's not the author's fault. It's just because 
when this book was written, it was pre-COVID and now everything is so different. It's I'm wrestling with how, how does the church even receive someone in this season when, yeah. when people are not really comfortable with, and I'm also speaking from my context, they're not really comfortable with face, face to face. They're certainly not comfortable with uh, like anything physical, like shaking hands, anything like that. Um, and when they do go into churches, they're not sitting close to anyone. And it's also difficult for people in church to know, well, what's their comfort level? Because I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable by approaching them and making them feel like I'm putting their health at risk or something. Um, but yeah. then also, how do you talk to someone from like 10 feet away or even six feet away, like in a crowded space? Um, and you can't really do invitations, like invite someone to go out to lunch because restaurants, a lot of them are still closed. Uh, so they're probably not going to sit in your car and go through drive through. So it's, yeah. How, <laughs> so how do you like welcome people? And I, and I think that's, ah, geez, that's tricky. Aside from inviting them to uh, functions outside of the worship service, like a small group, maybe on Zoom or online or something, or a separate service where you might have a little more intimate of a setting um, sort of like Sunday school, but maybe something different. Uh, and, I, and I think that sort of speaks to a question a lot of churches are asking right now anyways, which is, well, how do you even, how do you do that? You know, what does that look like in this, in this climate? Um, so as far as are we ready to receive people? Um, I, it's tricky because we're still trying to figure out how do we even do that with the people who are already a part of our church? <laughs> Like, yeah. how do we even help them still feel welcomed and still feel like this is a community of people and not just an audience, essentially, where there's no real interaction between individuals? So, I, yeah, that's that's the struggle of a question. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. And uh, I'm reminded of, yeah, across the U.S., there are different realities mm-hmm. um, where where I am in Nashville, Tennessee, there's not really any restrictions anymore Jealous. Um, <laughs> that are, that are, that are um, uh, dictated by uh, the government. I, there's still, you know, advice, you know, everybody's still I, the social distancing thing. It's um, that is a tricky thing. Um, I, I've seen in a number of scenarios where it's either people have six feet has gone completely out the window or for others, it's, you know, are you comfortable being a little bit closer so that I can actually hear you? Am I com- like, it's, um, it's also just like, um, yeah, comfort level in terms of like medical stuff, but also just comfort level where I haven't spent that much time in the last year and a half close to other people, like, um, outside of my own family, like, G- like, um, physically being, you know, within a, like a normal, like, I don't know, like three feet away from somebody. Um, so as we, maybe the, it is, the way you put it, I think is good. It is an important question. Um, how do we do that right now? Knowing that we're not fully out of the pandemic, um, we're in a much better place than we were six months ago, 12 months ago. Um, hopefully kind of at the end of the beginning, nope, at the beginning of the end of this um, time. But um, as stuff begins to reopen, I, I had a conversation with a pastor recently and he said like, um, how do I connect with, how do we get young adults connected in our church if we don't already have some, you know, like we, if we have a couple show up and we've had this happen, like wh- how do we get them connected? 
Um, if they're not showing up with somebody and we don't, you know, have enough young adults to already have some type of group or people we can connect them to, um, which is, is another hard question. Um, but I think, um, pulling from what you just said, one of the, that it's the relationship thing, you know, like you said, you know, if it's something over zoom doing it, small group, it's the relationships, it's the walking through life together, parts of it, which have been really hard in a pandemic um, because that requires spending a lot of time with each other in close proximity. Uh, one of the best ways to do that is over, you know, a meal and shared meals have been harder to, to come by. Um, so maybe thinking ahead to, um, as stuff begins to reopen, um, do you have a thought on like one or two things that a local church um, should consider doing to help kind of re- uh, recover in terms of like getting momentum again yeah. with uh, ministry to young adults? Yeah. So I apologize. I probably came across a lot more dismissive of the question originally than than I intended, but part of me was just thinking more no, of my you, context, but yes, um, no, that was, that was perfect. Uh, so yeah, I do think there are some things churches can do. Uh, one, um, certainly, you know, welcoming people who are, you know, visitors in the church and all an individual. And I feel like that really needs to change for churches that have that mentality and recognize, you know what, maybe the church should be supportive of the work that individuals do in the community um, and recognize that and encourage that. And also like help feed ideas and, you know, help people understand, you know, how do you do that? Like that was something I would have appreciated growing up. Like when we talk about witnessing or evangelism, um, like I didn't really understand what that meant. And it just sort of felt like the leaders in the church assumed I knew what that meant. Like, how do you build personal relationships with non-Christians in a way that could draw them to the faith? Like I had no idea. Um, And uh, some of the ideas that were presented seemed sort of outdated to me, (laughs) like uh, the idea of personal evangelism. Um, So those are ways I think that churches can definitely help their people, uh, but also, you know, by extension, help people who are unchurched uh, feel more comfortable uh, when the church recognizes, you know, there are things that happen outside of our organized functions that we should probably be more intentional about cooperating with. Yeah. And I, uh, the idea that you had of having something available that kind of explains the, the purpose of some of the parts of the service is I think a really, really great idea of reaching the goal of how do we remove as many obstacles and provide as many opportunities as possible for people to be able to, to draw closer in relationship with Jesus or to, to just be able to, to understand more of what's going on. Because part of the, in my opinion, the beauty of the church is that there are some very unique things that we do, hmm. um, but they can completely, um, not be um, obstacles in terms of like a stumbling block, but obstacles in terms of like, well, I'm just, I'm going to tune out because I, I don't understand what we're doing or why everyone knows um, what to say. Um, you know, it's very, it, you can very quickly find out those who have been lifelong members of the church when like the PowerPoint um, person misses a slide mm-hmm. uh, and the people who know the next verse or they know the next lines of the Apostles' Creed uh, without needing the slides, which is a good, which yes. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even thinking in my own lo- local church context, uh, I feel like 
I know that we do the Apostles' Creed every single week, um, along with the Lord's Prayer, and that on an average week, we give some context to it. Mm. But it's, you know, it's quick um, in terms of setting the stage for it, and that having um, a resource available to, to help explain some of the things that we're doing, I think would be, it's a simple way to help make it easier for, for somebody who's not, um, who's unchurched or somebody who's not like super, um, deep in Christian culture to be able to fall along a little bit better. And another point that you made that I think is really important is that how we define, you said, you like, how do we explain what goes on in the church? And then also, um, what, what the church is. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen a big dichotomy between two general definitions of church that maybe um, are like subconscious, but if church is what I do on Sundays or what I do when I go to the the building, um, then we had to cancel church for a good part of the last year. Mm -hmm. But if church is, I'll get, I'll, I'll get real, um, theologically wordy here for a second, but if, if church is the people of God engaging in the mission of God, in all of the creation of God to the glory of God, then the church never stopped. Like if, if church is, is, uh, you know, if, if church is the people, uh, the little, um, uh, kind of kids rhymes that we had growing up in kids Sunday school. But if, if church is followers of Christ gathering together, in worship, in discipleship, and in service, then it then it the church never closed this last year, mm-hmm. um, and for those who it's in a, an event in a location, it's a it's been a little bit harder. It's been hard on everybody, um, but I think your your point is is an important one. Where if we're a little bit less geographically located in our understanding of church, then not only does that have given us freedom to try to find creative ways to engage in God's mission in the last year. Um, but that also means that we can be more open-handed with like a, a lunch budget where it's like, Hey, like this is all God's work. Like getting lunch with somebody afterwards is maybe just as, if not important than um, them going to a Sunday school class the first week that they come. Mm. That being said, Sunday school classes, small groups, uh, when, when healthy are some of the most vibrant parts of the church. But um, I just wanted to kind of like double click on those two things that you said that I think are really important for any local church to, to consider in terms of resources mm-hmm. to, to help unchristians, but then also defining what is church uh, for those who are already a part of the congregation. And as I was talking, the one and only Kenny Wade uh, jumped back in um, from uh, let oh, his camera my, come back on. Is my camera on? Was I? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Uh, I got a nursery rhyme for you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, this is the church, right? How how does it go, Jeremy? This is the this is the church. This is the steeple. Is it open the door and where are the people? And then you do it a second time. And there's all the people, right? All right. So here we go. Here we go. Okay. This is the church. On eBay, we sold the steeple. Open the doors and send all the people. Ooh. (laughs) That was good. That right there. Cut. 
Kenny, edit, that needs to go on Kenny that needs out. to go on YouTube. Back to you, Ben. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I'm glad that he unmuted himself. I was like, he's either got <laughs> something really good or something really ridiculous. Uh <laughs> Or a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah, the answer was, is yes. Was, I think no, I, like, you're, I think you're describing a squirrel, but I'm pretty sure the answer is Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like that though. The idea that the church isn't just a geographic thing, uh, but also, and this is actually sort of a critique I have of how Beth, uh, the author of the book, addresses this: is church also isn't a, a time locked thing either, and. Correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't seem like her uh, um, approach to this really changed throughout the book. So I actually thought this was strange. But she did talk about like other things the church should be involved in, which I totally agree with, and I think it's great uh, as it relates to young adults. Like she talks about how young adults really need like mentoring, vocational training, um, spiritual counseling, relationship guidance, stuff like that, which is all true, and, it, and it's great. Um, but I did find it interesting. She didn't really talk about what that could look like outside of what happens during the Sunday worship service, which just struck me as, as odd. I don't know if I missed something. Maybe she talked about it and it just went over my head. I don't know. Um, but that was something that made me think, yeah, but why are we beholden to this idea that church is just one day a week? And so when we talk about how we reach young adults, we just think about it in that context of, well, what do we do during the Sunday morning service? Uh, whereas I'm more curious about, well, what could we do otherwise? that could help, you know, young adults? Like, why do we have to change the worship service in order to be more attractive to young adults? Why can't we just offer things in addition to it? Uh, which, I mean, you see some young adult focused churches actually changing their service times to be more accommodating to young adult schedules. Well, yeah. why do we have to do that? Why can we just offer like different things throughout the week? So one of the things that I thought about, um, this is still going off of your, your, last, your last question. Sorry if I'm going on too much of a tangent. Um, but something that I've been interested in trying is like, well, what if we just had a separate time, you call it a service, call it whatever, but it's just a time where we talk about things that are relevant to what young adults are facing. Um, so for example, one thing that my church did in the last year was we had a service where we kind of explored uh, like racial relation, like race relations, um, like stuff like that, which just having a forum to have a conversation uh, or to help explain yeah. what the church believes, like just have a time when he's like, you know, we're going to talk about human sexuality and what scripture teaches about it, what the church believes about it, and just have a like a conversation about it. Like, I think that's something that young adults would be very much drawn towards uh, just to sit and just hear and listen. You know, what does the church believe about this? Because that is something Beth talks about is a lot of the apprehension young adults have is preconceived notions about what the church believes. And one of the hurdles churches have to overcome is those preconceived ideas that the church is judgmental that the church is uh you know whatever very um well the only word i can think is judgmental because uh, that's a big one that stands out um very yeah uh exclusive uh, very like shunning of sort of outsiders and i think one of the ways you can approach that better is maybe not have the worship service is like the main thing to invite young adults to. I, I don't want to sound like a heretic and this might be a denominational mm. thing for her, but uh, maybe invite them to uh, other church functions. And maybe that's something churches need to consider is maybe we should do other things besides just pouring all of our resources into the one day a week thing. 
maybe we should offer those things. Uh, and like in terms of mentoring or vocational training, maybe we offer things throughout the week that helps with that. Um, which I don't, she does talk about it later on in the book. Sorry. I, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Uh, but it didn't seem like she really went into detail on what that could look like in a church that sort of seemed outside of her purview. But I do think that's a conversation worth having in terms of how do you in initiate and how do you invite young adults into your church? I think we need to think broader than just what happens on Sunday morning and just trying to get young adults to, to go there as the starting point. Um, I almost feel like John Wesley's class meetings is maybe a good model to consider where the worship service wasn't something you initially invited people for or two, uh, you initially got people involved in the church through these small group circles. And then by extension, they would go to the worship service because they were curious or they wanted to be more involved or they wanted to grow in their relationship with Christ. So they went there, but that's not where it started. Uh, it started in these, you know, other, other class meetings. So that's just my thoughts on that. So Ben, I, I think you're right on, and I, I appreciate your analytical and, and, um, and kind critique. I, and you're right. She's coming from her place. I'm coming from, from, from my angle. Let me tell, let me just share a couple of quick stories I've had with um, young adult leaders around USA Canada in, in less than the last week. One was with Canada Central District Assembly and YI workshop on Saturday. Um, and they're hungry for these types of conversations. And where do we start? And where do we begin? And what, and what are we already doing? And I just really appreciate conversations with them. Um, but uh, Brad Siliker is um, uh, Canada Atlantic District. And the, the Wesley um, bands that you were talking about, um, he's, got a, he's got a podcast that they do live on Tuesday nights called the Oxford Holy Club. And I'm not saying that's like four young adults or like, but it's him and some other pastor friends and they're not all Nazarenes and they're getting together and they like doing it and other people, it helps resource other people and it's fun and it's light and it's got scripture and they, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those other types of resources out there with people that are trying to experiment. Right. And then there's Jay, I'm going to mess up his last name, but uh, Guy Storfer and he's on the Philly district and he's the young adult district like pastor. He's on their NYI council and stuff. And uh, there's a number of churches on their district that are doing some different things with young adults and various efforts and stuff, but it's contextual, isn't it? Like Beth offers her perspective and what she's experienced in their churches and, 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 and what they're doing in, in, in their context, but what's going to work in Nashville or Michigan may or may not work in Idaho um, or, or vice versa. Um, but what Jay's doing is exactly what you were talking about, dude. They're doing like this AMA thing uh, once a month and they're getting they're getting um, young adults together. Some of them driving more than an hour from, from uh, various churches on the district. So wow. it's not trying to get young adults from one church to come to another church for a young adult thing and call it momentum, right? Mm -hmm. We're not stealing sheeple here. It's, hey, we're going to provide some food. If you want to come to this thing, you know, come on and whatever, you know, we'll just talk, we'll just eat. And then they go, they riff off of whatever comes up. And they have three, four hour conversations with these young adults that are driving for over an hour away. And so maybe that's going to work in my context. I listened to a podcast this morning about starting up young adult podcast ministry stuff. And I just thought some of that would probably work here and some of that wouldn't. So we got to get our ideas right mm -hmm. and then go, okay, contextually, how does this work? And I really think the difference is, are we doing it two young adults, four young adults, or 
with young adults, hmm. which one guy I know named Jeremy, he talks about stuff like that sometimes. But anyway, yeah. I just <laughs> I just really have a lot of respect for what you're saying, Ben. And I, I think it's it's right on the critique. I'm 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 tracking with you. And the hard work, you know, that purse gets dumped back in our lap of mm-hmm. going, okay, what do we have to work with here? And how 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 do we put it together in a way that's actually gonna be helpful? Yeah. Got me excited. Sorry, I I, I came out of the shadows. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll return to my corner now. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. No. Um, thank you for that, Kenny. I think that's an important um, point. Kind of building off what you said, Ben, of the importance of contextualizing some of this. And as we draw to the end of our conversation today, one last question that I want to ask Ben, and I think. Um, I wouldn't be asking it if I didn't think this, I think it's a really important one um, is, um, is this, uh, you're talking about what I, I absolutely agree and love the idea of how can we imagine stuff beyond Sunday mornings? One, uh, especially to be able to connect with young adults, uh, various schedules. Like I know of a church specifically in Nashville that I think it's on Tuesday nights is when they have their services. And it was specifically, tailored towards the music industry towards young adults who are out traveling for shows on the weekend back when Mm. people traveled for music shows Um, and it was birthed out of that like uh, specificity for an average local church that has stuff already on sunday morning um how do we do you have any thoughts on how do we attempt and think about you know, stuff on a Saturday night, stuff on a Thursday night, um, whether it's it's a, what we traditionally understand to be a service or what you talked about of um, like a small group or a band, like a, like a roundtable discussion about meaningful things, important things in life. How does a local church do that without it seeming like the JV squad? of ministry does that like uh you know like if 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 you have something on sunday morning mm. isn't that still the main thing um how do we how do we do something like that without it seeming like and I, i'm asking this like um not facetiously not devil's advocate uh like it's out of conversations that i've had in the last month with some friends in different ministry areas kind of having the same thing, same thoughts that you're having, but like, Hey, if we do something on a different night, um, does it just seem like we're doing like youth, youth ministry 2.0? Mm. Um, and that when they get old enough, then they join the Sunday morning. Um, yeah. Is, is that, is that something that we can't overcome or is that in, in your thought, is that something where it's just like acknowledge that reality and yet say all for the kingdom, like we're going to connect with young adults the best way we can. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I think one thing is you definitely have to change your standard of what to expect. If you do something like that, um, like hmm. for one thing, I don't know why this is a personal pet peeve of mine. I have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to church, <laughs> partly because I grew up in it. It's so like, I've experienced a lot. Um, I don't know why it seems like whenever I attend churches or services that are outside of the worship service, why we feel the need to include that we have to have like music and special prayer time and stuff like that. I'm like, can we just, do we have to do that? <laughs> like, do we have to make it a production? Why can't it just be like a, you know, just come sit, chill. We're just going to hang out here and we're going to talk. 
Um, I think sometimes we force things because we we get so used to thinking of well, if we're going to have a church service like thing, they have to meet these certain uh, objectives. Like, well, you have to have music, and then you have to have an invocation, and you have to have a closing prayer. You have to have all these things. So I think changing that uh, certainly. As far as the worship service, I mean, the worship service certainly is a unique thing, and I don't think it should be played around with too much. Uh, and this is sort of another critique uh, I have of the book. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean towards Beth at all. I'm just, these are just my reflections. Is yeah. uh, one of the things, because again, it could be a denominational thing with their theology, but it seems like when she does talk about offering those conversations, making things more accessible, uh, more comfortable for young adults, she only talks about it in terms of the worship service. And I'm very hesitant to do that. I'm like, I don't feel it's appropriate to, she doesn't use this phrase, but she, she kind of plays with the concept of dumbing down the worship service in order to make it more accessible. I'm like, I, th I think we should be careful about tampering too much with what we do with the worship service, especially when it comes to like having mm -hmm. conversations, sort of changing the direction I'm going with this. Um, I have seen churches do that. And I think that's the misuse of the worship service too of making the worship service the time to have these tough conversations, to talk about things that are more rel relevant to young adults. Uh, that just makes it seem like too much of a seminar type thing and not what the worship service is intended to do, which is to draw people into a deeper relationship with Christ, uh, to leave all that stuff sort of at the door and to, uh, to come into a place that transcends uh, essentially. And that's why I'm an advocate for, I think we need other spaces to have those conversations because they are necessary. And something else too, to keep in mind, I think, and this is something I've been wrestling with myself is in having those tough conversations or like the AMA uh, that Kenny was talking about that his friend has Yeah, is I wonder if sometimes we feel pressured out of doing those because we feel like we have to have solid answers to questions and we have to have like finite positions established. So as it relates to like race relations, I know a lot of churches have shied away from doing that because that that's a tough conversation, but also because I think it's, it's even now it's tough to reach a definitive position on a topic like that. And so I feel like churches don't want to do that because it's like, well, like this is just so it's just a hard conversation to have. And we don't really know exactly what to say. So we're just not going to say anything, but the funny thing about young adults, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's that they seem much more interested in having the conversation than in getting an answer. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I mean, we, they yeah. don't have, you don't have to give them an, like, this is the way to think this is the right way to think. They just, they're just more interested in hearing the different perspectives on a conversation. They're like, I mean, we can come to our own conclusions. Um, and certainly if you have an answer, that's fine, but it's not necessary. And it's, back to how do we define things if we define faith as having all the right answers then anything that's messy either needs to it needs to just be categorized black or white um in terms of um what our answer is like make it very clear um or we or we push it under the rug when on the flip side we can say hey actually faith is a lifelong relationship journey with jesus and in that you can have messy conversations talk about things, work towards answers, but also be willing to say like, hey, we don't have all of the the answer, um, but to help people ask better questions. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And I'll um, use that real quick to make a quick uh, plug for my local church, Trevecca Community Church. We're literally going through a series. Yesterday was week two of a series called God Questions. 
hmm. where we're, we we pulled the church for any questions that they had yesterday. The question was, is God in control? Uh, next week, it's why does uh, God let good thing, uh, bad things happen to good people? Hmm. And talking about that, going to scripture, uh, but a big por- a big foundational piece to to this series being this isn't just about our pastoral staff giving the answer, but hmm. helping give, as you said, some different perspectives and helping people give them the tools to draw closer to Jesus, number one, and be able to, to figure out, um, to, to be able to wrestle with those questions to come to their own answers in community, um, but giving people the tools so that they don't always, so that they have the tools themselves to be able to make um, good theological, good Christ-centered uh, decisions um, in that. So that's, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that, Ben. Like that was... Um, we've had a good conversation over the last hour, at least yeah. for me, um, in terms of what I'm walking away from our conversation with, like that was some of the most helpful stuff. So thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. And I know I, I keep saying like, I have critiques of the book, but I just want to clarify for people listening. Uh, I fully agree with the author's points in terms of what churches need to think about and consider with young adults. Uh, my critiques mostly lie with how she proposes they should be implemented. So I guess I would just make that distinction. <laughs> ben, I think that- Yeah, no, and I, I think you've communicated that, but okay, thank you yeah. for clarifying that. <laughs> you have, you have. I, ben, I think that the, the, the major problem you have is that I like you and I appreciate your heart. Uh-oh. And I, that we could probably <laughs> inflict some authentic kingdom battle damage together if you don't ghost me. Okay. <laughs> sounds, sounds that good. definitely I won't that definitely that. sounded like that sounded like more of a setup um for a critique of you ben juke, than juke, it juke, juke. <laughs> fine with me go for it and a, then i think a, a friend also, request also um, i've got i've got yeah it was a live friend request we don't you know only xers and boomers do things like that and i also have uh podcast microphone envy so we can swap notes okay sounds good <laughs> Um, two final things as, um, we wrap up and then I will, Ben, I'll give you the final word. If there's anything else that you want to share and you can plug your pluggables. Um, but the, uh, the two final things are, um, my wife has been watching on Facebook live and, um, commented to make sure that I say hi to you. Um, hi, Ritu. I know that we, <laughs> um, the, the beauty of Nazarene college were, uh, we all got to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Ben, I want to thank you for your time today and for what you're doing on behalf of the church and the kingdom of God there in Michigan, in Ypsilanti. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Ips. Ypsilanti. Yeah. It's that almost like why... the Y is not even there. Which part of Michigan <laughs> okay. is that in? Just it is like, which... uh, the bottom part of the thumb. Which hand do I do? Is it left or right you're supposed to hold up when you do uh... Michiganders? this one so the thumbs on the right so okay. we're ypsilanti is like around here i live here okay i live over here just about right yep. here mm-hmm. just a boot <laughs> um and uh ben do you have a, do you have a final word um that you'd like to share with us and uh those uh tuning in as well yeah um in relation to the book or in relation to whatever could be whatever. Whatever. Okay. Well, in relation to the book, yeah. I find it to be an interesting voice in the conversation. Because um, this was a point that I teased at the beginning, and it's a point I'll make now, is I find it very interesting. There's actually sort of two threads of a conversation developing when it, 
and approaching young adult ministry, one of the directions uh, is going more in line with like a contemporary movement of like, uh, how do we um, uh, approach worship and how do we approach church in a more contemporary style as a way of drawing young adults. But there's also a thread that's out there, which is that young adults are also drawn to liturgy. And so like what you're talking about, Jeremy, like with your church, when the apostles creed doing the, the Lord's prayer, stuff like that, young adults are also drawn to high church stuff, which is very not seeker friendly, but they're still drawn to it. And so I'm just curious to listen to these sides and see how they both play out. Um, hmm. Maybe other people would be interested in that too. Um, or at least just interested to know, like that is a conversation that's happening, which is, do we go the route of high church liturgy or do we go the route of contemporary more seeker friendly style church when it comes to young adults so i just okay, i, I just find that interesting i have a follow-up maybe ben and i just need to talk about it later but i i would have to deduce that the common denominator is going to be relationship for connectivity right ben like if those young adults connecting with those with that, that spectrum and and hmm. polarized style it's because they have relationship within those while they're connecting with a particular format that they find life-giving it's certainly the a main point of the cohesion in terms of what's going to get a young adult to to really stick with it and really join the faith. Sort of the whole uh, belong before you believe type thing. Oh, mm -hmm. for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to have to call this guy, awesome. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Ben Strait, you can find him um, on, on socials. Um, commongroundmi.org and the PB&J podcast uh, with his friend Jordan Britt as well. Ben, thank you so much for joining our conversation today. For those of you following live online and listening to this as a podcast, AKA thank you so much Ritu. for out. Ritu. Yeah. <laughs> Ritu is the person. That's all we need. Ritu. That is true. Yeah, thank you very much. So, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, this is our Facebook Live uh, version of the Young Adult Ministry Podcast.